Did you guys have a good break? Good. Okay, we're good. All right, guys, those who are listening to this chapel, we're knocking out everybody's ministry visions today. So it won't be a lot of class participation. It's just going to be me going over it because I want to go into something different here in the new year. It went a lot longer than I expected. Thank you guys for your patience with uh, the unexpected injury, obviously, with my wife. Uh, and then just, you know, allowing all of us to go through this together. So I'm glad that uh, we were able to have some participation. Now let me just kind of do it more like a class, give you my do-diddles, and then... Like I said, then you guys can go and pray. There, there's nothing that's set in stone here, and there's nothing that we need to set in stone either. So uh, it's all good. It's just for discussion. Okay, so Joe B., uh, basically what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Okay, so tag me in the new one. <clears throat> Christian, tag me in yours too, please. Whatever one tags me first and I can get to is the one that we'll do. And then we'll go through Steve, Christina, and Jose's. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, Joe B. Okay. The overall mission of my ministry is to spread the gospel through art, loving God and people, sharing it with others through art and new creative ways. Objectives is uh, one thing I want to do is reach uh, youth through art, painting, sculpting, drama, teach others how to express themselves and worship Jesus with their gifts, raise up disciples in Chicago that will glorify uh, God and their art and change the way Christian art is presented in the world. Goal, the big thing I want to accomplish, uh, to see lives change and disciple through the ministry of art and get uh, deeper revelations of God's love through art. Okay, so this looks like something that would probably not be a ministry in Metro Praise International for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, let me just take off my sweatshirt. I apologize, it's getting a little hot. Um, these kinds of things have come up before. Uh, Vanessa wanted to have a pottery class. If you guys remember Vanessa Vitale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she wanted to have a pottery class. And so um, art is just one of those things that I think should just be treated more as a hobby. And so I don't really see it as a ministry right now. Yep. Go I ahead. thought it was going to be a life group. Yeah, so I don't I see it as a life group either. I'll just be very honest with you. I just, just personally, as your pastor speaking to you, as you're forming your vision, you have many years in SUM now, okay? So you have a lot of road ahead of you to pray, to seek God, to, to see things that will be good. This will probably always be a, uh, a hobby that you can do on your own. So to give you, to give you an example, um, I like to make music. And so I make music. And there were times in the ministry that I would uh, put out songs online and different things. Just a hobby. Never created it into a ministry. Uh, the same thing, this could be with you. This could be something that you could say to people in the church. Hey, once a week, do you guys want to get together and do art? And we'll tell people about Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. You see, what, when you become a leader in the church, you're able to do ministry on your own. You're, you're appointed to do that. But what we're actually calling in the church a life group or something that we're going to put on the screen and say, go to this, is probably not going to be something like that. Because uh, then what this kind of goes inside with is also sports. And there's people who want to do, uh, you know, softball clubs and these kinds of things. There may be something like that in the far future where it's something like arts, drama, miscellaneous. Here's groups that meet throughout the week. But uh, from what we're, we're looking for in a life group, I just don't really see this as, as a way to make that happen. Okay? So I just, I just want to let you know that. And when it, when it comes to, like, a difference with, like, music and things, there's something that that person can do to go now and preach the gospel. There's something that they can do to do that. But even with the ministry of music, we took it out of the life group setting. If you notice, it's no longer considered a life group. 
So it's considered a part of serving in the church. And so if the art is for the church, if it's for the, the banners, the things that we're doing, then that may become a part of the uh, multimedia ministry. So what I would want you to do just, you know, for the next uh, couple of days, weeks, whatever, just start to pray about what kind of ministry can you do that looks like the kind of things that we're considering to be more ministry-based, you know? So something that would be more outreach, uh, Bible study, discipleship, things like that. Just like I said, when it comes into like art classes, uh, music classes, all of those things are great. People have talked about having uh, music classes. That may actually be a part of another ministry. And so you may, you may be an elevate and you may say, hey, some of us here, if you talk to Pastor Ellie and he says, sure, some of you guys can start an art club and, and do graffiti and do whatever. We've actually done that before at Elevate. We had a board out there, let them come and do graffiti. All of that stuff can be done, but that's going to be looked at like moving through a ministry, not kind of a, a life group that the adult overall thing is going to consider. And so if, if Ellie came to me and said, I have a lot of these things I'm wanting to do with the youth, I would say, let's not call them life groups. Let's call them something else. Let's call them interest groups or, uh, you know, hobby groups or something like that. But, but for what we're considering for a life group or ministry, just really think more like this. One-on-one uh, -on -one mentorship, Bible study, things that are really honed in around that. Um, evangelism, things that are honed in around that, or building the local body through different things that the church has a need at. Because we're not to the point where we can go beyond our need, you know? So, does that make sense? Yeah, I also include drama. Yeah, so drama then would be just its thing then. So if you would like to be a part of a drama life group, uh, are you in it right now? Yeah, so then you would be a part of that. Exactly. So then you could be a key component of that. But this is the thing. You really came on. You really came on right at the beginning of when we were wanting to do this. I was really wanting. I could have almost just limited it to third years, you know, but I opened it up to everybody. And I think uh, some of the, the folks here got a real understanding of what, what I was trying to do. And so uh, for, for yourself, and, you know, I wouldn't even take it very much to heart. I would talk more with, with Pastor Ellie. Maybe you could share something about, you know, like if he came to you and said, I would like to start a, an art life group, what would, what would you say to Joe B? I think we've talked about it before, and I think there was hesitation, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, because there's just ways that we do things in the ministry that, you know, like we have support ministries. Yeah. Like multimedia is not its own life group or ministry. It's a exactly. support ministry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think when I, yeah, I did talk to him, I said, but do you want to do something else besides this? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously you're not going to Bible college no. to, to have a group where you guys paint things, right? Yeah, exactly. You're going to Bible college to preach. Like, oh, how about this? How about this? Think of the thing that you're going to come up with next in the fivefold ministry. Think of that. And the only reason why there was a little bit more of an extension towards Ulysses and towards Julian is because there is a way to do that that's really easy. It's, there's really, it's an easy bridge between meeting with somebody doing fitness and doing Bible studies. It's a very easy bridge because 
Everybody that's teaching fitness right now is teaching holistic lifestyles. Everybody. That, that, that's just what's in right now. So it's so easy to make that bridge. Yeah. And it's so easy with yeah. the bridge of music because everybody's worshiping in church, liking music, having concerts, et cetera. So like, like I said, like the bridge of sports to this is just such a hard bridge. And so we just keep it separate. It's just like, hey, we may have sport clubs. And, and here's sport clubs. Go to our website. There's people in charge of sport clubs. There's, there's art clubs, you know. And I know a Christian pastor, Mike Pilecki, who's a part of a tagging group. And they get to get uh, pr property in the city, donate it to them. They tag on it. And his tags always have to do with Jesus. You know, you can look him up online, Mike Pilecki. P -A he's uh, on Facebook. You'll see him as one of my friends, uh, Michael let me see if it's a Michael. Michael. Let me see. Pa. P A. Pa. Le. Oh, is this him? The one with the candles? How do you spell it? Michael, then it's P A W. Yeah, it is P A W. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Yep. And then, so as you can see, as his cover photo, he did God's Not Dead. Right? So, once again, that, that could be something. That, like, let's say he was a part of my church, and he says, I want to start a life group that does that. I would say, let's not call it a life group. Let's call it something else, and you just keep doing it on your own, and let's just support you in, in some way that we can. And if I get enough of these, and, and literally, like a pet ministry, we, we want to meet at the pet place and walk our dogs at the park, okay, you know, and then this and that. We'll get enough of them. We'll call them something, you know, like whatever, like hobby groups. And it's just, here's a hobby group. But we're not going to Bible college to do a hobby group. Right. So that's where I think Pastor Ellie's advice to you is, or, or question was, what else do you want to do? Yeah, I, I was kind of confused on that. I thought it yeah. was like, like, like immediate kind of thing. Okay. And then we changed it. And, then we changed, and, yeah. and that's okay. But then I still had more things, so I was just like. Yeah. What are other things that interest you? So drama interests you? I, well, I was also thinking of, uh, but you, you kind of turned that down. It's What's like, that? Yeah, so you're thinking of a basketball club. But once again, you, think about this. You're not going to Bible college to do a that's basketball right. club. Yeah, and that's, that's, but that was my mindset going in that I was thinking of the immediate, yeah. like, like immediate future kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Even that, that's not that immediate. But yeah, but just think now more immediate of what is your passion in ministry. Think of, think of what Paul and the apostles would be doing. Yeah, dream big. Think about what Paul and the apostles would be doing. I mean, what? That, that, that's something that Okay, well, that's why you're here. Don't take it personal. Yeah. Just think of it as a part of your growth. You're growing. You, you're here at Bible college because you have expressed a calling to serve the Lord and to preach his word. By the way, I listened to you preach at that um, service you guys went to. Amazing, amazing. He did a great job of that little part that I caught. So there, there are things that God is already doing that's going to connect the pieces. So let me just say this, and then we'll move on. Okay, if you want to talk more, we can talk uh, later. Um, the drama thing, I would just settle in your mind right now and do what you're doing. Say, I would love to be an actor in the drama team, one of the preachers in the drama team, help do the art for the drama, create the stages. Just put your energy towards that. That gets your bike pedals moving. Now it's easy to turn. God will tell you the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Just start with the thing right in front of you. I completely agree with you. I, wasn't, I, I was saying, like, honestly, for me, I, I told Ellie, like, if yeah. you want to think of something else, I'm like, no, nah, I don't plan on I plan on doing it for just a little bit and yeah. then maybe finding like an art teacher or whatever. That's why I was saying yeah. <laughs> take over. And then same thing if I, you know, chose a basketball. It, 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 that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is like preach, you know, evangelism. Yes. Wanna, you know, Amen. Stuff like that. Thank you for that. We love you. Amen. Let's give it. <laughs>
I just don't want you to think I'm going to Bible college and be an artist. No, 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 no. And, that, and, that's, and that's why I'm just saying we're clarifying. Yeah. It's okay. It's wonderful. You did good. I'm very proud of you. And, and, and to me, your actions speak louder than what we're talking about right here. You preached an awesome message with that drama team. That's powerful. You're doing it. So let's keep going. Amen. Okay, let's go to Christian. Did we ever do Jose's? We just did do Josh's. I don't even know what to say. He's been to my house. He's been to my house. And I know he's been to Fort He has traveled with. This guy has been with me. We have spent like intimate time together. I mean, like, we've seen movies together. I've sat next to him in a movie. Yeah, car time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just, I'm such a simple-minded person, man. It's like when I see, um, when I learn your name and I see you for the first time, that's what it is. And if I learned it wrong, it is such a hard habit to renew and change. But I got to change it. Okay. So, anyways, let's let's. Did we do Josh's? Okay, good, because my memory on this is really vague, I'll be honest with you, because of all the things that have happened with me in the last month, so thank you. And that's why I want to move on to something fresh now. I want to bring some new revelation that God's been speaking to me. Okay, Christian, you tagged me in yours? Okay. Okay, Christian, overall mission, let a loving God love people, reaching out to the Hispanic and Latin community, uh, Latin community and sharing the word of God and his love with them, while at the same time making a home for them here in the States. Uh, connect, unite, mentor, send. So you're adding a, a component of unification in there. Uh, English second language lessons. That's wonderful. And then making disciples and make disciples in the Hispanic and Latin community. That's awesome. Um, I see that as a big part of where we want to be in ministry. And the question is, who is going to lead it up? And, and you have every opportunity to do that, Christian, because you are in SUM. You're getting your degree. And you have the ability to do it so my my heart for you is let's see as time goes on what you feel God's calling you to do because you you have start you started off at Urbana and your family was there and then through this time you came here because of certain reasons and then now your family moved to Chicago for certain reasons and then your your dad is now praying about what ministry he's going to be a part of so that may be a third transition at some point as well because I would assume that if your dad started something or got strongly involved in something you may pray to go and support him right to go with him as a family and let me just put this on the table even though he's never mentioned it but if that ever happened you're more than welcome to do that and still be a part of the cohort if that happens in the future so if you and your dad are planning stuff you don't ever have to feel like does that put me at odds with SUM not at all you, you can definitely come here uh, you know be a part of the chapels uh, be in the school system and be a part of that church as well we would support you uh, to say that that you know after saying that we would love to have you stay here as well and what that's going to look like uh, I think is going to be the English as a second language and a Bible study going somehow hand in hand because we did English as a second language before and just kind of advertised, bit, advertised it and just got random people. And it really didn't tie into what the vision of the ministry was doing. And so if my thing, if someone came to me and said, well, I just want to do that, well, now I'll just be like, well, just get hired at Onward House because Onward House right next to us does the English as a second language and you get paid for it, right? So we don't need to do it in the church and it not benefit the church and you not get paid. If it's not benefiting the church, just go get paid and do it. Does that make sense? 
But if we're going to do it in the church, let's have it benefit the ministry. So the way I would think about it is tying it together with a Bible study. And here's kind of where we've decided at this point with the elders, and there is a lot of Latinos in the uh, eldership, a lot of their families coming from um, Latino nations, just like you and your family. And where they're kind of settling is they don't see us having a only Latino church in the near future. Now, we have tried to do that. So uh, we, we had Ishmael at one time do um, a Spanish church with us because we had some people that were uh, you know, Spanish-speaking or relatives or whatever, and we said, okay, we, at that time, translation never even occurred to us. So I just said, Ish, why don't you start a Sunday service at 2 p.m. or 1 p.m., whatever it was at that time, and uh, we'll just start inviting people there. And he got it up to be about 15 and uh, some of the people were doing doubles. So that means they were like bilingual. They would come in the morning, whatever, and then they would come to that to help support him. They were on his team like Jessica and Salvador. And then at that same time, we found a pastor who was looking uh, to, to start a church. And he said, we said, well, hey, we already have a, uh, he was wanting to start a Spanish church. We said, hey, we already have a Spanish church. So why don't you come take over from Ish and we'll go from there. Well, the, the problem we learned with that was he knew nothing about our vision. So we tried to merge him into it. It became confusion. His wife didn't even want to, you know, be a part of it. And then they ended up breaking off and basically taking the ones that we had been winning to the Lord that weren't a part of the original start team. And so that caused a little bit of a mess. And I heard eventually that that church shut down. Sadly, it puttered out over time. But uh, we learned from that. So we only want to have, in anything we do, you know, the, the churches that unite around the, uh, the vision, whether that's um, overseas or, or here, whatever. And so that's something that we're praying about. So take, for example, uh, Jason's dad, Joe Saldana. He is you know, committed to the church, and he was a pastor beforehand. And now he's wanting to be with us. And so I've said, I, I am open. And he was one that kind of took the translation thing, um, started that. And then we said, why don't you take a break from that? Let some of our leaders do it so you can get really focused on our vision. And because his wife is not sure if she wants it. It's always the wife, by the way, in our situations like this. Not sure if she wants to go through with the discipleship and all the things that we're doing. Um, and so long story short, I have shared with him, I am open to you starting a Latino church. I am open to that. But I haven't promised that. And so what that means is if we're going to go through it again, we need to really like investigate what does this mean. And so here, here are some of the challenges, and I would love to hear from you on this. Some of the challenges that we see is like, okay, we start the, the Spanish church. Immediately, there's going to be different generations in those families. Some are going to be English-speaking. Some are going to be Spanish-speaking. How are they now going to decide what, what church are they going to be a part of? And then how does that grow successfully if there's always that kind of inner conflict? And this is something that I've seen in all the ministries, whether it's Urbana, Pastor Grogan talking to me about his Spanish ministry, Faith World, Rabano, all. And, and generally, you know what they end up doing? They end up merging them together and then having a translator in the service, and then nobody's happy. And it almost like backfires on them, and then they split back off because there's just, there's just so many components that have to do with it. So here's where I have personally, personally kind of settled with it at this moment. Having it be a life group with English as a second language, so you have a Bible study and then training, and then all of the things that go with it, helping them with citizenship if they're not citizens, helping them with jobs and all that. So it's based around empowering them, as you put in here, to become an American. 
Because if they're wanting to become an American, they're going to need to speak English. And if they want their children to speak English, then they're going to be bringing them to Wednesday, Wednesday King's kids. And then they're going to want to be a part of the Sunday service. And, and instead of there just being this division all the time, what we would want to say is, let's always just be together, have the translation. Then in the life group setting, you get your discipleship there. And we, my wife even came up with this because her family came from Greece knowing no English. And that's really popular. And it's just not to be a slight towards Latinos, but I, I think you guys would agree with this as well because I get this from my elders too. The Europeans will come much more quickly to learn the language than the Latinos. And that's like a, a, a truth. I mean, my, Latin, uh, my European family knew the English language within a couple years of being here. And that was done. You know, boom, I, I know the English language. I am now functioning as an American. They really only then spoke it at home and with their community, you know. Now, that's not for all Latinos. Don't get me wrong, because some come very aggressive, too. I'm just saying, as a general rule, you will see people that have been in America, like Rosa, 10 years. And it only was when she joined this church that she really started learning English. She paid that price to be here. But, you know, like once again, you compare that to my in-laws, they learned English within like a year, two years. And that's not for all Latinos. I'm just saying like overall when I see this kind of thing, I see more Europeans quickly learning it. <clears throat> Chinese, it's, it's just something about the Latino culture, I think because there's so many of them. It's such a large population that they get stuck in their, their, their social enclave. And yeah, in their culture, and it's like, I can go to a Latino grocery store. I can go to a Latino haircutter. I can go to a Latino church, a Spanish-speaking church. I can go to a Spanish-speaking this. Some of the things are written in Spanish. And then before you know it, they're like, why, why am I in a hurry to learn English? So, so where, where we came up with, with my wife and some of the elders as well, was making the graduation of 101 that they did it in English. So that's how we know you're now ready for 201, is you did the 101 in English. So part of the, the life group to the Latino community is saying, this is our plan, and this is what we're doing to help you. And that's what I'm hearing back from Ishmael and Ricky and all of them is, yes, the, the, soon as, the sooner my mom learned English, the better job she got. The sooner my parents learned how to, to do this is how sooner they could get their license and the sooner they could get their citizenship. So if you do this for our community, you're actually helping our community as opposed to just shuff, you know, shuffling them over here and just saying, stay here and we're not going to do anything about it. But then at the same time, we don't want to say, well, we don't have anything for you. So I think what we have for you is a service that is translated for you. And I do want to add more Spanish songs to the worship, kind of like Grogan does and other people, just because there is so much of a Latino thing here. And if there gets to be more... Um, you know, uh, more varieties in this place, then we can also add that in. But I mean, there's just obviously a large amount of Latinos. I don't think anyone would take it as being, you know, favoritism. And I would also like to add some gospel songs too, you know, so that we'll, we'll speak Latin American and African American. Oh Amen. We'll sing both ways. Praise God. But you know, that's where I'm hitting on it. Does that, does that speak to you in any way? It, it actually feels a lot like the plan I had in mind because I know a lot about the Hispanic culture and so yeah. we do like sticking together and one yeah. of the things we love is just hearing someone speaking Spanish. Yeah. In fact, if you go evangelizing to a Hispanic person, yeah. as soon as you speak Spanish, yes. even though they were ignoring you completely yeah. and they yeah. knew English, yeah. you spoke Spanish, you're like, yeah. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. true. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. They turn a light. Yeah. It's like they were gone from their home and as soon as you spoke the Spanish, it's like, pieces at home mm. is in you. Yeah. So, so they deep. feel like you're part of their family. Yes. They take you in. 
That's yeah. why I want to deal with the life group yeah. and teach them to actually form together with the Americans and find that unity yeah. with the Americans. Because in reality, a lot of strife is between the Latin and Hispanic communities and Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, in reality, that's one of the reasons why Hispanics don't actually like Mexican and, and speaking English. Mm-hmm. Because in reality, for historically, Americans did do a few stuff that um, Hispanic and Latins were like, who yeah. do you think you are? Yeah. And yeah. then that naturally became enemies. In fact, the term gringo yeah. actually is an insult to Americans specifically. Yeah. Just Americans. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're white or black, it's American. If you're yeah. American, we insult you. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. Green go, right? What was the green? Was that the color of their uniforms or something? Or? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I've studied the orange and I can't find it exactly. Yeah, put it in there, Joe. See what I don't know why. Yeah, but so we're hitting on some of those same notes, right? Okay, and let's pray through that. Let's let's give it some time to marinate. You've got some time in SUM. We've got great elders that that we can trust. We are we're, they're open to learning as well. It's so funny because some of them are the most conservative, like Ishmael, yeah. like mega, like like I don't know. He may be like a Donald Trump supporter. Who knows? You know. So I mean, there there is a little bit of variety in the Latino culture as well. So I mean, but that's where we're at. Yeah, we want to evangelize in Spanish. We want to have materials in Spanish. We want to make them feel at home here. We, we want to preach to them in Spanish. We want to have life groups for them in Spanish. It's just, what does it look like when we have 100 Spanish-speaking adults? Do, do we now have a Spanish church? Or are we saying the greatest benefit you can do is integrate into our church, help make the church great as you're making America great, because the dominant language in America is English, and you're making us great. And the way I would look at this is the same thing as if I moved to Mexico. If I move to Mexico, I want to learn their language. I want to start learning to make that my home. I may attend English services for a while, but I'm going to eventually want to become that kind of a person to relate to them, you know? I did have actually an idea about that. Eventually, I would yeah. actually divide the, the Spanish life group yeah. and divide it between nations and then incorporate them to the actual service. Yeah. And by that point, eventually, that most of them, if not all, yeah. speak English, and that's a lot further away. Yeah. There could be a need for that. If different dialects or just different cultures needing that sense. Yeah, but even in Spanish, we have different dialects. And different divisions. Completely different cultures. Like, for example, if you have a Puerto Rican that's working the same job as a Mexican, there's going to be complete conflict. Mm, There's going to be issues. Lock horns. Or like someone from Central America with a Mexican. Yeah, because it's totally different. Like someone from Honduras is different than someone from Mexico. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, really? So where did it come from? It means American. Okay, but it doesn't come from that. No, it doesn't come from So where does it come from? Then? What is it, Edmund? What's the word Edmund? Etymology. Yeah, someone can look it up as we're multitasking. Christian, I think we're good with that. Let's now, uh, somebody find Jose's, Christina's, and Steve's. Uh, tag me in theirs. We'll be doing it for you guys. Hello. <laughs> and now we're going to do it. Okay, Steve's already doing a life group, so he's, he's a deacon. 
He has uh, been in the game for a while. I think he's been a part of the church longer than most of everybody here, correct? And that's generally the way it's going to go. If you guys are in the vision for a certain amount of time, there is going to be a certain level of uh, authority and responsibility given to you if you're moving along in that, in that right way. And my goal is for every one of you to graduate first as, as a deacon before you graduate in SUM. So it should be happening, okay? And so if you guys have questions to why... Uh, you're not ready yet, or uh, why the graduation is not for you, see your teacher, if it's Pastor Ellie, or, or, or see him, or Pastor Jared. So, um, you guys looking for that for me? I actually think we've done with his. Yeah, I think we did his twice. No, I definitely don't remember doing that. Does anybody remember doing Jose's? I don't remember doing the guy. I was actually saving theirs for last. I remember doing Rudy. I remember doing... Okay, so we got... Could have been. All right, come on, come on. Somebody tag me in it, por favor. I will go my computer back. You looking for it, Rudy? Yeah, I'm looking for it. It can be Jose, Christina's, or Steve's. Correct. Any one of those. I need all three of them, but as soon as you guys can find them, please tag me in there. I got Jose. Okay, tag me in. Okay, Ellie gave me one. Okay, this is Jose's. Tag me in, then Christina's and Steve's, please. Okay, Jose. Wants to love God and people by preaching the gospel to unreached people groups at home and abroad, connecting unreached people groups at home and abroad to Jesus and the church through evangelism, Sunday service, specialized groups that are designed to minister to unreached people, mentoring unreached people groups at home and abroad, one one two one, sending up disciples to do the same, seeing the gangs in Chicago repent and be discipled, see Middle Eastern nations repent and be discipled, Israel, Iran, Iraq, etc. Okay, so what I'm getting from you, Jose, is... Um, I believe you're talking, when you're saying unreached, I believe you're using that in the missiological term, which means people who have never heard the gospel once, and that is generally referring to a, a window of, of uh, latitude, 1040 window, and guys, if you don't know what that is, that's just basically uh, longitude is up and down lines, latitude is like these lines, and so here is 10, here is 40. And it goes across like most of Africa here and most of uh, Middle East and most of Russia and Asia, you know what I'm saying? So uh, those people live in America and they're making their homes here. He's saying abroad, so he would like to do that as a missionary at some point. A lot of what we're seeing right now with our guys is we're, uh, that have the mission's heart. Hernandez's, um, Vivitz, and Riascos all have a heart for missions. Right now, what we're asking them to do is to see that through short-term missions, and that's why we're finally getting to the Philippines to establish a base of mission work there so we can start to get that going. And trust me when I say missions is missions. Anywhere you go in the third world is going to have the same kind of feel. So it doesn't matter if we're going to Africa, uh, China, wherever, you know what I'm saying? And so I think the Philippines is a great place for us to be because they have a democracy there. We can get there easily. We, I don't even think we need a visa. Do we need visas to go there? check see if we do uh, i don't believe we do and so it's a great place to start building a base and then even strategically it's a great place to fly to all of those other places so if we would actually start there and have a base it could be a very secure place to do worldwide missions and so like our our worldwide mission headquarters may be located in the philippines one day but that's just so far you know we don't know we're just trying to see what god is leading us I've been to India. India is also a democracy, but they don't act that way towards religion. They are very harsh towards Christians in many different ways. So 
What I see here that uh, Jose could do is simply start a life group in the evangelism. As evangelism grows and there's multiple people that are coming, there could be another evangelism life group that is simply reaching the unreached people groups. As of right now, I think it just needs to be a location that's on the evangelism's rotation. You know, let's go to, De to Devon. Let's go here. Let's go here. But it really needs to grow. And I hope that you see that we're now pushing evangelism and, and uh, Ulysses as well by making it a clear part of our send. We've actually taken the announcement out of the life group area and now we've put in the, the announcement into the send. So you see connect, mentor, send, that kind of, you know, that, that try thing with the heart in the middle. And then we say, here are connect life groups, right? And then we say, here's mentor, 101, 201. And then we say, here's send, and there's a picture of your beautiful self, right? <laughs> with the time of evangelism underneath it, because we're now really trying to put into people's minds, we want you to do this. Even if you're doing evangelism at these other times with the people of the church, we still want you to come out and learn how to do it and get trained at this opportunity. And so that's really important. And, but if that doesn't grow, we can't do multiple evangelism life groups. But if it does grow, we can. So Jose has a great heart for that. And so right now, Belmont and Clark is a part of, should be a part of it. That's the gay community. Eventually, there may be just an outreach to the gay community. Then, you know, Devon. Then you know, that should be a location they're always going to. And then eventually there should be an outreach ministry just to Devon, you know, because uh, those are two dynamic communities, the yeah. gay community, Devon community, right? Two different ones and, and these different things. The reason why I allowed Steve to start a different thing is because he's had such a passion for the games. He has a connection. But even Steve listening to this, we need to see how it bears fruit because otherwise just reaching game could be a part of the Saturday evangelism as well. I don't want to subdivide us into so many small groups we're not successful. So I am looking at how we do these things. So if it can bear fruit and get people, that's good. And then maybe Saturday does get divided up into all of those. And now it's not as big as it was a dozen. Maybe there's five here, five here, five here, five going to gangs, five going to Belmont and Clark, five going there. And I'm open to that as well. So I'm not going to shut it down quickly and I'm not going to start new ones up either quickly. It's like the gang one is really kind of a, uh, an experiment. How do we subdivide evangelism ministries? And I'm watching it to see, does it work? Do the gang people get really hyped up about it? Well, if it is, well, then let's be more specific in the, in the other one we're doing. Let's do Devon Street Evangelism because that might hype people up more, right? Does it, does it being more specific get people more motivated to come out and join it and be dedicated to it, right? So some of you, that was your draw. Like, we're reaching gangs. I want to reach gangs. I don't just want to go out evangelizing and meet a gangbanger every now and then. I want to go out and set my mind at reaching gangs. Well, that may be the same thing. We're now just not every now and then going to reach uh, the Muslims and Devon community. We're going to have a ministry, Muslims for Christ, every Saturday, boom, right? And we're not just going to accidentally run into the gay community. We're going to have the gay community for Christ, boom, <coughs> you know, see? And then there, that may motivate Sadia to come out every week where right now it may not motivate her. So we need to be just open to that discussion as things are moving forward. So that would be for Jose's. And then uh, thank you, Julian, for putting me into uh, Christina's. Hers is to implement uh, theologically sound discipleship for children ages 3 to 11 and equip the families and churches all around the world, including areas of persecution. That's great. Um, so loving God and loving people through training his children. And she has the scripture there, Proverbs 22, 6. Uh, some of the objectives, create a dual-purpose discipleship book that teaches children. Um, how to live in faith, create a book that serves both as a parent and a child can read out loud, so that's, that's great. The dual purpose there of the parent and child working together. 
different reading levels. So she wants to make it um, really specific to how the child can read because there are different reading levels as I'm learning now with children. I'll create a local community of mothers and wives committed to praying and training their children, uh, like a wives book club. That, this is all good. Number three, children in ministry, having times of hands-on ministry for children, creating opportunities for children, hospital visits, uh, to just to visit and offer prayer for the other ones in hospital. And this is a good missionary fundraising. Uh, training parents and ministers to engage children in ministry more. Yeah, children actually being disciples that help make disciples, having a, a graded system for that where they can move up. And then that's the goal is to build the church, uh, the, the vision of the church. That's amazing. Okay, so what, what we can do here, uh, Christina, is first of all, if, if your heart is to do all of these things with children, to me it's a no-brainer to join the Wednesday uh, Kings Kids. Uh, it's just a no-brainer for me. You, you would have to show us that you want to do this by participating in what we're doing now, Royal Rangers and Impact. And so even though one day we could develop, this would, to me, replace Royal Rangers and Impact. To me, Royal Rangers and Impact is, is just a temporary thing we're doing until we make our own. So one of our own says, I'll make it. Okay, we'll make it. That would be great. That's basically what she's saying. Different grade levels, revolving it around discipleship. It would be the MPI version of Royal Rangers and Impact, right? Yeah. There it is. Okay, but, but Christine, if you want to do that, you've got to come on Wednesdays, join the team. And so uh, these kinds of systems of discipleship for the children will be built on a Wednesday model. I can say right now that Sue Ellen is not gifted in that way. But Sue Ellen is open to it. So Sue Ellen needs it and wants it. And I think you could really help us to complete some of the things that I'm just starting right now by putting uh, uh, her curriculum on Moodle so the teachers can go there on Moodle and get their materials instead of it always being a book here at the church they have to come and look for. So those are some of the things that we're talking about. But this actually gets me very, 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 very excited. But I need to see this person in on Wednesdays helping me now because I need to help now to help Sue Ellen to structure Royal Rangers and Impact. And then I need that person to stick around and really make it great. So... Christina, if this is truly your heart, join the Wednesdays. You can still be a part of the single moms, but join the Wednesdays and get involved. Help with Royal Rangers and Impact. And then what we can do is start developing more and more, little by little, then more and more, and then exit out of Royal Rangers and Impact. Because I'm already disappointed with them in a hundred different ways. Uh, it's, 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 it's always had its downside of being generally suburban. It has no real urban appeal. Uh, their trips and all of their things are great, but we could we could imitate those in 30 seconds We have great men in our church that could like Andrew and volunteers like myself We could take them out camping set up bonfires. We could totally do this uh, way uh, way better way better so I need all hands on deck and uh, This is a discussion that I would like to have further on um, and I'm looking at some of the young men here, and I know you guys would be willing to help as well. And so this is something that if Christina wants to do, she has to administrate it because I don't see the gift of administration here. And Tina could possibly do it, uh, and that's the thing. Tina's gone back and forth, and I wish that she was here so that we could talk to her and see where she is on this. But one of the things that we're having to work through with Tina right now is staying focused and, and being a mother and, and you know, you know, being in that environment of a mom and a minister. So I don't know. This could be right up her alley to help with Christina, but it's either her, Christina, or both her and Christina helping Sue Ellen, but it needs to be done. Amen. Let's re 
make our children's ministry and let's do it great i would love to see that happen in 2016 and started in 2017 launch our children's program and we can call it something else we, we don't have to call it king's kids i'll call it something else if it helps the, around the design of what they're doing you know but wouldn't that be awesome all of that integration into discipleship and then involving the parents that's another thing it's very hard to involve the parents uh, with the Royal Rangers impact it's more of a crafty thing it's only crafty parents get involved in it but if you implemented teaching and parenting into the program then that would get parents involvement you know and so there's just a lot of creative things we could do there how does that sound for you Ellie when you, when you hear that wouldn't that be awesome yeah, because, you know, that's the Assemblies of God's version, you know, of raising up children. Well, we don't do their other versions and anything else, you know what I'm saying? Well, the only reason why we're doing it's not offensive. It's just, it's better. I can't tell it to you more than that. And I, and I listen to the Assemblies of God. I listen to Assemblies of God stuff more than most Assembly of God people do. In our staff devotions, we're listening to Dick Brogdon, the leader of their mission movement. Uh, you could ask most Assembly of God pastors, have you listened to Dick Brogdon? The Assemblies of God joined together for two major reasons, as you guys are learning. Two major reasons. Missions and universities, raising up ministers. And most people don't have any idea in the Assemblies of God of where they're at in those positions. You know what I'm saying? That's why SUM is a part of that. And we love SUM. And SUM has made a model that we love and that we're happy with. It's just to be very honest with you, the administrative side of SUM makes things very difficult for Pastor Ellie and for you guys, you know? And so we have to we have to guard them and help them. But everything that we have at this ministry, we will build and redefine over time if it doesn't suit our needs, you know? And SUM has, has made a commitment with us, and we've made a commitment with them. Some people have tried to get me off into other things, and it's just not the same. SUM has a unique dynamic that to me is very, very healthy for what it is. It's a, it's a, a Bible college inside the church, man. It's amazing. My only downside to it, and this is and this is my thing, and I was talking to Chancellor about it. We actually um, had a good talk right before the holidays, and Ellie uh, would be interested in this. But I, I was telling Chancellor, I'm betting on, uh, if I'm putting my bets right now. I'm hedging my bets on the dissolving of the American University. I'm hedging my bets on it right now. Silicon Valley, some of the smartest people out there are going against the college system right now. They are developing systems similar for education like they did for Wikipedia, and they want to bring it down. They're tired of the debt. They're tired of the, the, the way it sets students back. And so this is all that they, they're, they're doing. Khan Academy has already done it with high school right now. You can get your high school education for free at Khan Academy. Once my children are old enough to know how to use the internet responsibly, Khan Academy is going to be a part of their high school training. You could take high school biology, high school math, boom, ba boom, ba boom. And so here it is, because I've, I've listened to the TED Talks, and those are the cutting edge guys, man. And here's what they're saying. They're rounding up people, like biologists. Okay, you're a biologist? Yeah. Will you give it away for free online, what you know about biology? Yep, I'll give it away. You're a sociologist. Will you teach your class for free online? Yep, I'll teach it free. They come to me as a theologian. Will you teach your theology class for free online? Yep. And then all of a sudden, website goes up. We have it all right here for free. Sign up. Do your credits. We're going to grade it. We're going to have the papers. We're going to have the same books. And that is going to happen, I believe, slowly, but slowly, surely, surely, until the U.S. Department of Education, who grants accreditation, is going to go, uh, it's going to go the way of the library. They're going to become non-essential anymore because that is what the difference is. See, right now, I could gather together 
pretty much an entire Bible college with the professors to give away the education to you in this same model. I could call up Sikorsky. I could call up these guys. I've already talked to them in, in, in certain conversations. But here's the problem. At the end of the day, we can't give you an accredited degree because the U.S. Department of Education holds what they call an accreditation to be. You understand what I'm saying? And like I said, these guys in Silicon Valley aren't playing that game anymore because that U.S. Department of Education accreditation is what's giving these colleges the right to, choose, uh, to pay whatever they want. And so you have a guy like Bernie Sanders saying, we'll just make the government pay for everything. Now, I disagree with him on so many issues, but I love what he's saying with that because what he's saying is we're done playing the college game. We're done playing it this way. It should not be done this way. We live in the 21st century. There is no reason why you should have to pay tens of thousands of dollars for this kind of an education. All back in the day, you needed the university. Why? Because you had to have the classrooms. You don't need the classrooms anymore. You needed to have the libraries where everybody could literally physically pull out a book. That's gone. All the other things were just circum circumstantial, just sports teams, this, this. You don't need any of that. This is college. And so, and so in my study, I went all the way back to the beginning of college. You know how it was? It was master's level learning people who were having their own discipleship training. You want to be trained in business, you would find the guy who had his, his level, his master's level of education in that. And it was actually like started in Bologna. It sounds like Bologna, but it's like Bologna, I think it was like France or one of these places. And then eventually uh, the student said, if we can get you, professor, to come here, and you, professor, to come here, and you, professor, to come here, we can have you at one place. It was actually started by the students saying, we'll have you come here. And then the idea, university, university, uni, multi-diversity. And so they wanted to gather together all of the colleges that were single-level learnings, and they started bringing them together. And then the church was involved in that, and there were Christians involved, and a lot of people with seminaries, and they started developing these systems of learning with credits and all of this and that. And then out of that grew these, please don't do that, we started to grow out of these was these large behemoth structures called colleges and universities. And now it's the cart leading the horses. The students have no more control over any of this. They're just sitting here being pimped all the time. And the church has adopted this model of Babylon. And I give credit for Chancellor. He has the best model so far. So I don't down him because he's put it back into churches. He's, he's taken out the middleman. Your cost is so much less expensive than it would be to go to North Central or any of these other Bible colleges or Trinity, you know, example like that. Wheaton, okay. Uh, Moody tried to change it up in their own way. That's another discussion. But, you know, just other than a Moody, which really came up with a creative way, I'm telling you, I'm banking on it. I am banking on it. I will be the first one to do it. And then Chancellor, Chancellor was like, well, accreditation is never going to go for it, this, this, and that. No, but I'm telling you. I believe, I believe, they, that I believe they will bring it to its knees. They, they will crush it because there will be no more need for it. So let me give you an example. Right now, one of the SUM graduates actually works in Silicon Valley in, 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 um, in San Francisco. He was in Adam's wedding. He was um, a guy I had come preach one time, Chris. He actually works for a place from a Google founder that started an educational online thing. And here's what they're saying is, they're going directly to the tech companies 
and they're going, what do you want people to know? What do you want them to know? Okay, we want them to know coding. We want them to know this. We want them to know this and this, this, and that. Okay, if I teach guys to do that, will you hire them and cut out MIT? Will you cut out going to these guys? Yep, we'll, we'll hire your guys first. And so right now, he's already cutting out MIT. He's already cutting out these guys because he's saying, stop wasting time. Get The, the, the companies are saying, we'll hire them. You train them. We'll hire them. You train them. We'll hire them. And you can go to it. It's... Um, Oh, I, you remember the name of what his company is that he's working for? And so, yes, there is a cost. There is a cost, but the student just pays per class. A thousand for this class, thousand for that class, thousand for this. And then they're going to those companies, those big companies, and saying, I got my degree from here. You guys said that's all that you needed. Hire me, and it's seeming to work. And I'm telling you, you just give it a little bit more time. A little bit more time. Because, dude, just think, just think about it real quick as we show the emperor has no clothes. Let me just, just think about it a little bit quick right here. Okay. I was going to say, where's your guys' textbook? But I don't even see a textbook here. Does anybody have a textbook? Let me just show you an actual, just give you an example, okay? Now watch. Here's a textbook, right? Here's a textbook right here. Christ-centered preaching, right? Here's a textbook. Christ-centered preaching right here. Right now. Introductions, conclusions, transitions. Right now, I'm teaching you this. You don't have to pay anything for it. See? Right now. I could teach you this right now. I've been trained in this. I know this. this I, if I was at SUM, I could teach this right now, right? But why isn't this valid? Why, why isn't me taking this textbook and teaching you right now valid? Because a piece of paper, somebody says it's not accredited. I work for SUM. And in four minutes, I take out this te textbook and I start teaching you. What has changed? In reality, nothing. But only the employment and the game that's about ready to change. The game that's about ready to change. So I'm telling Chancellor, get ready for it. Get ready for it. And he's saying, well, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm doing it this way. And that's a great way. So that if it's not going to happen, this is the best way. Right? Because you got to pay these fees. He has a very small campus. He doesn't have a lot of money that he has to put towards there in comparison to, like I'm talking, like North Central Campus of 100 million, whatever. So it's awesome. So we're going to stay on that train as long as it can be. But let's say it this way. What if I became the president of SUM and SUM changed to be what I'm talking about? SUM may not look the same in 25 years. If you were to talk to people 25 years ago and said, you will not hold these anymore for encyclopedias. DVDs, YouTube, Wikipedia is going to crush the entire industry. Would people have believed you? Probably not. If pe would people have believed you 25 years ago that said you won't have to buy a whole album to listen to a song? Wouldn't have believed you. Wouldn't have believed you, right? And now those things are they're gone. Th those days are gone. And now what just went out the window? Ownership. You don't even own the music anymore. I, be I belong to iTunes. Don't even own. Now what Kindle's doing it. $9.99. Become a part of a membership. I'm telling you guys, in, in, in 15 years, 20 years at the tops, all that we consider music, entertainment, education is going to be one big conglomerate. It's just, it's just 
all there. It's going to be so, because th this is, these are commodities that we used to, you know, like when I lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I had to come to Chicago Wax Tracks to get a ministry album because nobody would sell it, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to put money in the mail and wait for it. So my friends would have to come here and come to this place to get it. If you wanted this book, you'd have to go to the library right, right now. Daniel Wallace is scanning every Greek text we have, every 5,000 Greek manuscripts. Before you know it, everything that are in museums, you'll be able to look at online, scan, uh, and just, you know, you know, get in. I mean, museums will only be the place protecting the artifact, but you'll be able to see everything in there. Google is to, Google's goal is to put every single piece of literature that's ever been known to mankind in digital format. I'm telling you, music, digital, all of that. And then so, yes, gathering together, accountability still has its purposes. Discipleship still has its purposes. The physical touch, you know, medical field. There's a lot of things that are going to be still that need that. Churches, we need physical contact with people. I like us coming together. I don't want, you could be at home, but we don't want you at home. You know what I'm saying? You know, SGM doesn't want you, you know, but technically they could let you do liberty style of learning. But the point is, there's going to be new models coming out. And I hope it happens soon. I really does. I really do. Because I don't want to see you guys come out with, with these heavy loans and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? I think education should be free for everybody around the world in every field. And that's what these guys want to do. And they're about ready to get a lot of money donated to them. Because the big boys are starting to get behind them. I think, you know, like Microsoft has gotten behind... Uh, uh, Khan Academy, man, I'm telling you, these because way, the way these guys are saying is they want the entire world to know what a Harvard student knows. That's what they're saying. And some of these guys from Harvard and Princeton and Yale, EDX, you can go there, EDX, they're already giving it away. They're already, because they're, they're, they're all sick of it. Every, everybody just, just it sees what, the, even though they make money off of it, even though I make money off teaching SGM, we're, we're saying let's make money other ways. But let's stop having the education be... Be a, you know, you can't get it without the money. Let, let's make it an even playing field. Let's see who's the best when we give it away. Now, do you really want it? Do you really participate in it? Do you really do it? And then that's where I think, you know, learning systems like classes, discipleship, that's never going to go out of style. But uh, that's my prediction, man. That's my prediction with Bible college. And that's what I was, I was, I was saying to Chancellor. I said, why don't we start our own accreditation uh, agency because everything's about accreditation and you have to go through a middleman to go to the department of education you just don't go college to edu department of education and get accreditation the, the the department of education said we want a middleman that we will approve of that then we'll give out our accreditations so it's like the dmv you know what i'm saying you don't go to the white house to get your dmv you go to these local state places well they have these things called accreditation companies that work with the you know department of education give out accreditation so i'll say why don't we create our own Let's go Apple on this thing. You know what I'm saying? Let's go Apple on this thing. Let's create our own accreditation. Let's stand before the Board of Education and say, this is what we want Bible colleges to look like. We're tired of Bible colleges looking like Babylon. We want our Bible colleges to look like this. Like this. We don't want the spoiled meat of Babylon. We're Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. We want our, our systems of learning to look like this. And we need that accreditation so that when our guys graduate, they can get jobs in the schools. They can get jobs in these public sectors and be respected. But we're tired of all of these fees. We're tired of all of this. What we simply want is we want assessments. You test us. We'll make our own assessments. We'll show you that they've learned the information. 
When they take their gen eds, give them a standardized math test. When they take their English test, we'll give them a standardized English test. And a professor will grade it. When they take their theology test, we'll give them a standard. We'll make a standard so you'll know this is what it is. And we won't need to mess around here. And I'm telling you, mark my words. Mark my words. These guys from these TED Talks are serious, man. They are serious. They want to build systems that give away college education. And we'll see if they can do it. But there's a lot of money in play. There's colleges with billion-dollar endowments. You're talking this one right here, North, what is it, Northwestern? What's here in Chicago, the big one? Yeah, let's see here, Northwestern. You think that dog's going to go down easy? No, that dog ain't going to go down easy. You know why? Because what it's going to do is it's going to lobby and it's going to make it political. It's going to make the decision that the Board of Educations make tied up in politics, not allow the Board of Education to make that, to make that um, change. Politics will get involved. But you know what? Christians didn't care about politics before. We won't care about politics again. Amen. Amen? And we will, and this, this is what the thing that gets Ellie excited, is that we will partner with the secularists just like we did when we founded this nation, and we'll redefine it. You see, the Christians partnered with the secularists because we had everything in common. We believed in free enterprise. We believed in uh, private property. We believed in all of those things. That's why Thomas Jefferson, it's always my example, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Thomas Jefferson was the secularist. John Adams was the, uh, the, the Christian. And uh, they were the founders, the, the, the real main think tanks of the American system of government. George Washington was a general. If the depictions that I got from the HBO documentary are true, <laughs> he was sitting back chilling and letting those guys decide. And it was those two that were developing the systems. And they worked together so good. Why did they work together so good? Because they knew that their goals were the same. And so would I work with the, the, the hipster of Silicon Valley? Absolutely. Let's knock college down. Let's get it out. Let's take away its power. Amen? Let's cause a revolution. How many want a revolution of education? Amen. And I'm right there on the cusp of it. I'm right there, cutting edge, baby. I'm going to be right there when it come out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to love those you love, to hate the things you hate, and to cling.